Hello, and welcome to the Humumu Halloween Home Horror Hoedown. The podcast where we watch 31 horror movies throughout the hallowed month of October. Ranging from the critically acclaimed to film school projects gone gruesomely awry. And we take them all way too seriously. I'm your host, Mike Hommel. And I'm your host, Sully Hommel. Now warning, we use a ghoulish number of spoilers, so watch the movies first. Second warning, we don't know anything about anything, so don't take us seriously while we take these movies seriously. So we are recording our review of Tigers Are Not Afraid literally minutes after finishing watching it. Very few minutes. And I'm wanted to do that very intentionally because this movie left me in a very specific emotional place and I wanted to make sure that that was reflected in the review. I didn't want to give myself time to recover from watching this movie <laughs> before talking about it. Um, and I think that this review is going to come across as very different, at least from my side of things, than actually any horror movie review that we've done yet. Okay, where do we begin? Well, the first thing I want to say is that at the end, I realized that this is actually more of a fairy tale oh, than a horror a fairy movie tale. tale. And I knew all along it had those fairy tale elements. I mean, there's actually, I mean, it's it says it's, it's a fairy tale. Mm -hmm. She's writing this fairy tale as a school assignment, but it's an old school fairy tale. And old yeah. school fairy tales have always been also horror stories. You know, yeah, the, the Little Mermaid that. walking on glass and all of that. And this is that. It has those horror elements, but they're not there to be horror in and of itself. They're there because that's what fairy tales have always included. Yeah, I feel like this, there was very little to this being a horror movie. There were, you know, ghost scenes and stuff like that, but there, it was, they, there was no reason why it had to have any of that. They could have just told their story without ghosts and monsters. Well, not definitely needed monsters, but without trying to spook you with dead people and stuff. So it was very much about the story and what was happening here. Well, and the dead people were there not because they're monsters. They were, but, yeah. but they're not there because they're monsters. They're there because they represent something. Mm -hmm. They they are an element of the emotional impact of this story, the yeah, lesson of this story. And that is, you know, I think that's the other piece that sets this apart from a lot of other movies. Not all, but a lot of other horror movies is that this movie was made to tell a story about life, about what's going on in the world in a specific place and the horrors of that. Like, we've had other ones like that. Um, the movie Under the Shadow, which was from Israel. Iran. Iran is the first one that comes to mind. You know, I think maybe the one... I think we mentioned it earlier this month already, the one where they were in the catacombs. As above, so below. As above, so below, I think has a little bit of that element, maybe. Even Chernobyl, sort of, because it's addressing a real horror. Yeah. But this one is is very specifically about the horrors that children face in drug cartel-controlled areas of Mexico. Yeah, and... This was much more horrifying than anything we've seen, and it's definitely going to be more horrifying than anything we're going to see, but not in a horror movie sort of way. Just no, because it's based on reality. 
based on a true story and not in the <laughs> in the way that many horror movies try to be. Like, yeah. watching this was edging into that danger zone of, like, true crime where I, I can't mm. watch it because I can't forget that there are real people who experience this pain. And I don't think that I have ever cried during any other horror movie that I've ever watched. Hmm. I, I can't think not of often, one. Not often, for sure. I, I, I can't think of one. It, there may be one, and maybe it was something similar to this that I'm just not remembering, but this movie made me cry multiple times just because of the fact that I could picture real children. Not not the ghosts and the monsters and mm -hmm. the, that piece of it, but, but there are children living in, you know, uh, taking care of each other in hidden pockets all over the world because of the atrocities that adults are committing on one another. And <laughs> like, that's, that, that is unacceptable. That's what that is. So basically, Tigers Are Not Afraid is the story of Estrella, a girl who loses her mother to a, I think they were actually human traffickers rather than necessarily a drug cartel. I know they specifically in that one um, news program that they were watching in the one scene, the reporter was talking about how El Chino, this politician running for office had connections to human trafficking and you know a whole bunch of other crimes too but yeah. that was the one that that i heard well and they listed you know they talked about x thousands of people killed and x other thousands of people disappeared right very the very beginning of the movie is like a you know, text card talking about the 160,000 killed and 53,000 missing. In the last 10 years. And, and then the fact that the number of kids who were like the ones in this movie, Estrella and Shine and Pop, Tuxi and Moro, who are affected because their parents or their guardians were killed or disappeared. Um, it says that there's no number knowing how many of those kids there are. So... Estrella's mother disappears. She doesn't know where she goes, where she's gone. And Estrella hooks up with this kind of band of young boys. They looked, the older ones looked to be about maybe fifth grade age. So 10, 11 That's years old. That's what I was going to say. And I'm terrible at that. Yeah. It's, uh, and, and I think I particularly think that because Shine, he reminds me so much of a student that I had when I was teaching fifth grade. Yeah. He didn't look exactly like him or anything, but there was that like kind of smaller boy, but clearly smart and full of this like inner courage that kept him going and kept him fighting and kept him protecting these other boys. And he was just like the, the natural leader. Like even I think Pop was probably older than Shine was, but mm obviously let him be the leader of the group because he just had that thing inside that that draws people to him and that reminds me of of a student that I had one year when I was teaching 5th grade anyway they're out there in the city and being chased by El Chino and the uh, what was the game the Huascas the Huascas who want to get back a phone that has evidence proving that El Chino this politician is involved in murder. <laughs> One of his many, many murders. Right, many, many murders. And at the beginning of the movie, Estrella, uh, she experiences a school shooting, or at least there's a shooting near her school. Yeah, that was something um, I was noting. Yeah, and, you know, that clearly something they had all experienced before. Like, yeah. all of these children knew exactly what to do when the shooting started. And I don't know that anyone actually died. 
I think perhaps her teacher just was afraid yeah, that that would happen. So. And so, you know, as they're on the floor, her teacher hands her three pieces of chalk and says, here are three wishes. And then throughout the movie, Estrella uses her three wishes. Yeah. The thing about the shooting scene, like it wasn't a school shooting. It wasn't com- someone coming into the school to shoot it up. It was, Mm-mm. you know, it's a dangerous area. Drug, right. drug gangs are out there shooting at each other and they shoot. And then when the kids hear gunshots, they drop to the floor and bullet came in through the window and right. glass went everywhere. So scary, terrible. But, you know, what the thing I thought was that is so much better than what it's like in America. Like in America, you're at a school and someone comes in with the express purpose of killing people in that school. Right. Going from room to room to room, killing as many people as they can often. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole goal. And that's a completely different thing than just being in a place where violence is occurring between, you know, violent gangs interacting with each other and you could be a casualty of that. Right. And that's well, and we terrifying. have plenty of that. We have plenty of that. Oh, in we our got that too, too, sure. Um the thing that I thought actually I mean I, I agree with you and the thought that I had while I was watching it was oh yeah we're not the only country where our <laughs> where children go to school and don't feel safe. Like it's for yeah. it's it's for a different reason perhaps but at least now there are plenty of there are plenty of students in America who go to school and external violence affects them but you know it made me think of all of the places around the world where that kind of gang violence or political upheaval or um where where violence is an everyday occurrence Mm -hmm. and that is something that they are aware of not just when they go to school but every time they go to a movie theater and every time they go to a cafe and every time they go out to you know a shopping center and you know that's something that the world has been experiencing for a very long time and we in america in a in a large sense i mean this has been happening obviously there have always been people who have experienced this, but in a much larger, like all of us kind of sense are relatively new to the idea that we are unsafe walking around and how, you know, we're like freaking out about it and making such a big deal about it. And it made me think about all of the people around the world who are watching us freak (laughs) out and going, really? Now? Really? Yeah. (laughs) Like, welcome to our world. But that's, that's the, the thing about it that's so so horrible is that this kind of violence and stuff it's a our country isn't supposed to have that it's you're not supposed we're supposed to be living our lives in this bubble and yet we have a problem worse than a third world country where drug gangs are shooting at each other or you know tribal genocide is going on that's terrible but ours is more perverse ours is people who just decided they're going to kill everybody. Not that they're killing people because they're willing to for their goal, just because it's time to kill. Yeah. And that's America versus these other countries. It's really so messed up. There's no describing it. Yeah. After Estrella receives her wishes, she goes home. That's when she discovers that her mother is missing. And this was after the school is closed because of the shooting outside. From that point on, we see this this trail of blood, this line of blood following her and yeah. and kind of cir- encircling her sometimes, you know, like like sometimes it's behind her, sometimes it seems to sort of foretell where she's going. Um sometimes it splits off and and reaches toward other people, but it's it's following her. It's this this mm-hmm. 
I kind of interpreted it as death. Like death was with her from Except that point it was on. Also, I mean, it was trying to help her a lot of the time and point her. It to was, things. but in those instances, it became death for someone else. Like that, I can think of one example of that for sure. Right, and and so every time you know it like diverts from her, but it's somebody dies. Some you know whoever is touched by this line dies, and as she's making her three wishes which she initially thinks of in terms of fairy tales, you know, like her teacher told her, she makes these wishes and they, they come true, but in very twisted, dark ways. You know, she wishes that her mother would come back and we know how that always goes. (laughs) Right. And so now she has this kind of zombie ghost, scary monster following her, whispering her name, you know, telling her secrets and things. She wishes that she didn't have to kill, what was his name? Kako. Um, Kako. Who is the guy who's after the phone because it's his phone. Right. And she doesn't have to kill him, but it's because someone has already killed him. And then at the end, she wishes that Shine's burn scar Which she knew would disappear from his move, face. But she did it anyway. Yeah. I do not get that choice. And I think she did it because she had hope like that she still believed that maybe she could have a wish that she could wish for something good and she was trying to share that good with him yeah um but throughout the whole movie shine has you know says several times like i don't have any wishes i you know no luck he has a much more fatalistic view of the world where she still has some idealism yeah which I think is probably erased from her pretty solidly when that final wish comes true. Shine's death at the end was hard for me. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the points when I cried. But it was not the hardest moment of the whole movie for me. That moment came when Moro saved Shine and Estrella by shooting at one of the Huascas and then immediately being shot to death by them. Yeah. That wasn't the part that got me. I didn't cry at this movie because I'm a man. I'm a big, strong, macho guy. I'm just going to let that toxic masculinity pass on by where we have other issues today. (laughs) Really? But I teared up not when Moro died, but afterwards when Shiny painted a graffiti mural of Goodbye Moro. And that was... Yeah. There's something about... It's just... It's my issue is... I mean, I think it's because... When you die, you're gone, whatever, that's, you don't care. But it's about the people who are left and how Mm -hmm. they deal with it. And that always gets me. So Mm -hmm. that was intense. I mean, I think when Moro was shot, I immediately, I I was like, I was hurt by that. And, And I think I sort of expected it. Because he was that character. Like, he was the youngest of the boys. He was maybe six. I think he was very young. He was the most traumatized of the boys. Like he, he carried a stuffed tiger with him everywhere. He didn't speak because of whatever it was he had seen. Mm -hmm. Um, Everybody else was definitely protecting him and taking care of him. And the moments where he would smile or he would have, you know, experience something positive were so powerful in me that I knew, like, you know, it's the Kaylee character. It's the whoever, whatever character (laughs) is the heart of the story, you know they always take that away from you. (laughs) And I kind of expected it to happen. But still, when he got shot, I felt it in my chest. And then they had him laid out in, you know, at that point, they had already moved into this, you know, huge 
like abandoned mansion. And it had all of this great imagery of like the pond in the hallway or in the entryway filled full of enormous goldfish. And it had all of these pieces of greenery that were kind of growing up through the destruction, Mm -hmm. which I mean, was obvious, but very well done symbolism. And so there was this one area that had all of this green, this beautiful green grass growing up in the middle of a room, basically, yeah. with this great, like, round window frame in it. Yeah, I thought of that as the room from the crow. Yes, <laughs> yes, it had, and it had sort of the same, like, vibe to it. But they had Moro's body, like, laid out afterwards. And, you know, mm-hmm. for his, you know, where they were kind of saying goodbye to him there. And that part... That was really, that's when I really started to cry. Super rough. Yeah. Yeah. And all of these children, like these are children and they are, they were handling things that I don't know that I could handle. And they were, you know, they were sad, but they were like, this was their life. This is their life. People die all the time. Yeah. And this is what you do when someone dies. And they just did it. Yeah, so that was that was very very hard to watch, but also yes, my my other like big tears were when Shine did his artwork on the wall of the saying goodbye, and for exactly the same reason that you said, like the the kid who played Shine did such mm-hmm. a beautiful job of portraying the grief that would that would be there, and that graffiti was all throughout the movie. Such an artsy movie. Yes. I I know that I didn't understand half of it. But not in a pretentious way. Like, it wasn't artsy in a, oh, this movie is trying to be smarter than me. Yeah. It was just beautiful. Everything meant stuff, though. (laughs) Yeah. And, like, there was graffiti. A lot of times, the graffiti was telling you the plot, either stuff you had just seen or stuff you were going to see. And also, importantly... Not just graffiti, but the the dragon, the tiger, the snake, they were all images that came to life. And so life was in the images, and the images were in life. Right. And it was... And we're both frightening and helping Estrella Mm -hmm. throughout the story. Like, you know, I think always intending to help her, but because they were outside of the mortal world, like maybe not always knowing the way to express, I'm trying to help you, yeah. you know? And, you know, the same way that that Estrella's mother and all of the other people who Chino had killed and and placed in that, um, that one room, they were, te- you know, they were telling her, bring him to us. Yeah. But they were doing it in terrifying ways, <laughs> so she couldn't really hear their message until much later, until yeah. she... Basically, until she had proof that her mother had been killed, and she was able to kind of get into this. <laughs> All right, oh, let's do this. Yes, I will bring him to you, kind <laughs> of place. You know, the graffiti was telling parts of the story and was very closely tied because it was Shine who drew all of this graffiti around the city. You know, it was kind of his, it sort of felt like the one way he had to express himself and and allow himself to have emotion when he needed to stay strong for everybody else. That's pretty Um, good. And, but then there were shots that weren't graffiti but used similar lines. Like the graffiti was all done with black spray paint and, you know, thick lines and very distinctive um, style. And then there'd be a shot. I'm particularly thinking of, there was a point when they, they were in a building and it was night and some of the boys kept turning the lights on and off. And when the light was on in the building, the, the cardboard and the, 
broken window frames and stuff kind of created this same sort of shape and style that the graffiti used. And there were a couple of moments where I saw like shadows that weren't graffiti, but were kind of imitating it and, you know, tying both of the real, the, the, this is what's actually, you know, this is the real concrete world with this more fantasy sort of world. And the graffiti seemed to sort of link the two together. Yeah. So it was, yeah, it was beautiful. I mean, I think between the imagery of all of the the life growing up within all of the rubble and the, the abandoned, destroyed buildings yeah. and the lines and the use of light and dark, I, the whole thing was just very skillfully done in terms of visual art. At one point, the two boys we haven't talked too much about, Pop and Tuxi, take the phone that has the evidence from Shine and are like, we're taking this to the cops. Yeah, they do take it from him. And they're like, you know, what are we going to do with this? And he's like, well, it's proof, you know, that he's killing people. Who catches killers? And I don't know who responded, but the guy who responded was like, not the cops. I know that much. That's Shiny. Pop and Tuxi. That was who said it. Yeah, yeah. Pop and Tuxi were the ones who were like, we have to take this to the cops. They will yeah. help us. And Shiny was like, no, they won't. He knew. And he was right. And that scene went better than I expected because they brought it to a cop car and like tried to show it to the cops. And rather than what I feared, which was the cops are working with him and, you know, take the kids. Right. Um, or take the phone. Yeah. They instead were like, wait, who's in that video? Oh, we're out of here. And they just drove off. Yeah. It made me think of the professor in Ghost Stories saying, I did nothing. Yes. And and it's it's exactly the same. It's like, you can't blame me. I didn't do anything bad. I did nothing. And it was exactly the same level of, yeah, but doing nothing is evil. Yeah. <laughs> doing nothing is participating in the evil that is happening. And I think that's a thing I'm I'm fighting with daily these days yes. in the real world that that there are still so many people doing nothing and pretending that everything is okay and pretending that they don't that not participating in Nazi marches is somehow enough and it's not. <laughs> yeah. And and I think, you know, this definitely hit that message nice and hard that pretty much brings us toward the end of the movie and the way it all wraps up estrella manages to lure um el chino to the place where all of the bodies are stored i i don't yeah. i hesitate to use the word buried because they were not buried <laughs> they not were buried. dumped and she lures him there using this phone that he is desperate to get and she she finds her mother. She has the experience of sort of a it's not it's not a good experience, but she has a moment of closure with her mother. Yeah. Um, you know, she the the bird bracelet that her mother was wearing becomes a bunch of tiny little birds and and flies yes. over and and lands on her wrist instead. So there's a little bit of like emotional closure and resolve there. And then Well, I mean the closure definitely helps just the fact that she found her mother. Right. She knows now. Right. I mean, it's not good news, but at least she has information. Right. And then I'm concerned about the very, very ending of the movie, the final shot. Maybe you have a smart person take on this, but I'm concerned because in the end, after she 
lets Shiny's ghost burn Chino alive. She, you know, is making her way through this building they're in, and she opens doors and walks out into this vast field of wheat and flowers, which is clearly not real. It's not part of the city. She's just out there. I even, as I was watching it, was like, how did they even film this? Like, this cannot be a real <laughs> oh, set. They just put some like, doors up <laughs> in a field, I No, think. But, but even that field, like, it's, oh, it's beautiful, sure it's real. green, it's expansive to the yeah. point where I was like, how hard <laughs> would it be to find that scene yeah. or, you know, that setting to film this scene in? It almost felt CGI to me. I bet it's, it's out there. There's places. It's you, possible. You got to find them nowadays, though. It's possible. You have to CGI out all the factories around them. <laughs> right. And there's one little one little uh, pocket of green, and then you just copy and paste it all across the screen. <laughs> yes. But to me, that was like, we kind of have to backtrack a minute or two and decide that she died in that room, and this is it. You know, like, but do we? Or is it just a shot of hope? I think here's where it actually, this is the horror movie piece of it. Because in horror movies, often all of our heroes die. Yes, they do. And Tuxie and Pop got away. I guess right? so. I think they, they took off at, at one point um, and, and were gone. But so many of our main characters die. And especially with Shine dying at the end, like they feel like there's some resolve and then he's shot. And at this point, knowing that she has nobody left, I think it's very possible that the idea of Shine's ghost coming and taking the lighter and walking in and blowing up that room mm-hmm. is is not what really happened. Like that's what her mind created for her as it she was dying. Yeah, that's... It's getting me a little. I mean, I'm still a tough man, but this discussion. Yeah. And that, you know, that idea that I don't necessarily subscribe to, but that many do of, you know, going to a better place. Well, yeah. That's that's what that green field seems to represent. definitely seemed like it. Yeah. (sighs) Ratings. Well, you can guess that this movie is five plush tigers out of five it was very affecting so you know it it'll mess you up and uh i highly recommend people watch it hopefully before they listen to all the stuff we just said because we spoiled very important things that would be ruined by having heard them before watching it that's about all it's uh it's a total art film like everything is a symbol it all means stuff. I didn't understand half of it, but it was seriously hard-hitting. That's all I have to say about that. Toward the end of the movie, I was realizing that I was going to have a hard time rating this because I've already given a 5 plus once this month. There's no limit. No. The thing is, like, this movie, I, I don't know how to rate this movie within our scale if I've given a previous movie that we've seen a 5 plus. <laughs> I like, see. Like... This movie is so far and away beyond anything that we've seen, anything that we've reviewed, that I don't know how to include it in the same scale, other than to say, like, in our one to five rating scale, this is like a 12, <laughs> which seems irreverent. And that, that is not what that is meant to be. It's it's just that good of a movie. And, and on all the different levels, like... It's beautifully done. It's impactful. It was a horror movie. 
it was more than a horror movie. Much more. Um, yeah. Like just everything about it was amazing. And you told me when we were starting to watch it that the kids who are acting in this movie were not professional actors. No, they had no prior experience. And before they filmed this movie, they, you know, they gave them like a week or whatever, I don't know, of improv and acting classes. So they taught them and they... Uh, apparently auditioned like 500 plus kids to get down to these five. So, you know, that's why they got good ones. And even the kids, like the the bit pieces, like when they meet up with um, Ryan's gang, mm -hmm. even those kids were amazing. <laughs> the other fun fact is that the movie was shot in chronological order. No script was given to the kids so that they would have authentic reactions throughout, which was probably a good idea with kids. So they didn't get the story in advance. They didn't know, oh, Moro's going to die. <laughs> yeah, that was probably a big um, shock. Yeah. So anyway, all of that means I can't keep making the rating scale bigger and bigger. So I have to give this a five plus because that's that's what I give movies that I think are the top of the top. This one is easily my new favorite horror movie and quite possibly my favorite movie. Whoa. Um, I mean, just in terms of like meaningful, impactful movies. I mean, The Princess mm -hmm. Bride will always be my favorite movie. Scott but, Pilgrim. <laughs> but this one is is one of those movies that I will say to people, you have to see this. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm really, really glad that we watched it. Yeah, we got this from the list somewhere on Rotten Tomatoes. There's a list of the 140 best horror movies of the 2010s. And uh, this was way up there on that list. And I think we got to check out that list some more. Yeah. And I, I enjoyed, we watched it all with Spanish language and English subtitles. So I really enjoyed that element of it too. The, you know, the foreign film experience of mm -hmm. listening to a story told in another language. Yeah, we probably should have opened by letting people know this movie is in Spanish, but yeah, now well, you know. There Spoilers. were other things to focus on. Yeah. So I feel like I just want to end with kind of what Estrella ended with. We are princes. We are warriors. We are tigers. We are wandering off into a field now. I know there's usually a funny part at the end of these reviews, but given the nature of this movie, I want to take this time to strongly suggest that you do some research into the violence that children are experiencing all around the world in places like Mexico and the Middle East and um, the Gaza Strip and Sudan and everywhere. I mean, places in America including indigenous women and children and refugees being held in camps along the borders. And if you can, find a charity or an organization that you can support that will help them.